I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here on this Friday. And you know, uh, if you're not in a city, if you spent any time out in the country, you know that when night falls, it gets dark, really dark. And you need a, a flashlight or something, uh, something to show where you're going, where you know what objects are ahead of you. If you've ever been at sea, you know the value, especially in a storm in the dark, of a lighthouse. Well, it's a great metaphor for life because especially, you know, we see the darkness around us in this world. We need that beacon, something to, to guide us, to lead us, to, to give us clarity uh, when it's hard to see or when the storms are raging. Well, today's guest uh, has a book out, is available where we pick up books. It doesn't look like that. It looks like that. There it is. It's called The Lighthouse, Discovering Security and the radiance of God's character. And you know, with all the anxiety, uh, the fear that people are living in, uh, security is a very important thing. And we, uh, Jesus was the light of the world, calls us the light of the world. I believe we can be that lighthouse by pointing to the ultimate source of light. So we're going to talk about that today. My guest is Glenn Damon, and uh, he's a rural pastor uh, up in Oregon near the Columbia River. Uh, I'm, I'm a little envious because I love the outdoors and nature, uh, and he's out there doing doing the work amongst a lot of our small rural churches uh, and uh, doing a little writing on the side, so I'm excited to have him. Glenn, welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you today. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's jump into this this lighthouse. Uh, I read on the little cheat sheet that the uh, PR people sent me that you wrote this during COVID, which was certainly a time where, uh, I mean, we, we didn't know what was going on in our world in so many different ways throughout that, that I kind of think it, it highlighted what you're saying, the importance of needing something a little more secure than what we're seeing on the news on a daily basis. But tell me a little bit about where this came from for you. Well, you know, when, when COVID hit, and of course we went from a week saying it's not a big deal to all of a sudden everything was thrown into turmoil. Yeah. And, and uh, so I felt, what what does our people need to hear uh, in the midst of this? And then you coupled that with the, the election and all the craziness going on there and and then all the turmoil in our in our culture, and so I felt really what we need to to focus upon is the nature of God, because otherwise it's easy to get caught up into all the uh, turmoil of our culture, and we become fearful. And we live, I think, we live in a culture of fear today. Hmm. That uh, you know, if you want to get elected, what do you do? You you create fear, and our whole culture is is fear. And, but as we think about it, it's not a moral problem or a political problem. It's really a spiritual problem in our theology. And so it was that desire to communicate to, to people into just my own congregation, 
our security is found in the character of God. And so that's kind of what started the, the yeah. devotionals for them. Yeah. And then kind of transitioned into a book then. Yeah. You know, and interestingly, my, years ago, my dad and I were discussing direct mail. Uh, it's been a long time ago. And this stuck with me because he said, you know, the easiest way to raise money or to get a power base, get people motivated, is through fear or anger. Uh, and he said, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, and, and I remember him saying that. And over decades now, uh, I've watched it. It, it. People, they, you know, they, they purvey fear and anger for their own purposes. And it, it is really damaging. So just a little bit of a side note. I want to get into some of the attributes that you talk about, though, because you cover a wide range. I mean, you're talking about God's sovereignty, his fatherhood, his faithfulness, truthfulness, holiness, goodness. I mean, these are a lot of these are core things to Christianity, but uh, great reminders of who we serve and how we can find our security in him. Walk us through some of those characteristics. Well, you know, I think in terms of the overall nature of God, uh, when we think about his attributes, uh, I think we, we focus on certain attributes to the exclusion of others. Um, I think one of the dangers today in our church, we end up with a smorgasbord view of God. You know, we kind of go through this smorgasbord and we pick out, well, I want some love of God. That's a, that's a good one, some grace, some mercy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we overlook his other attributes of his justice and his holiness and his righteousness, that they all have to be really in perfect unity, because if not, you end up with a false God or a distorted God. Yeah. If you have a, a God who's loving, but not just, he's going to be a God who tolerates and even promotes evil. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got a powerful God, who's not a loving God, you got a God that can have no compassion. And so, you know, I think as we look at the attributes of God, it's important that we look at it in the totality of all his attributes and bring them in perfect balance to one another. And so uh, that's what I try to do in the book by just looking at you know, all the, the aspects of, and then how do they provide security for us today in this very in, insecure world? So you, you've been pastoring for a long time, uh, teaching, you know, obviously you're in the Word a lot. As you compiled these, uh, was there anyone maybe that, that jumped out at you that maybe, you know, was a good reminder to yourself even that, hey, wow, you know, this is an, is an important attribute of God as all these others that I'm, we may be a little more familiar with. Anything stick out to you? Well, the one that stuck out with me the most, and I think that's impacted my thinking the most, was his immensity. <laughs> uh, you know, his eternality, which refers not just to his eternality of time, but of space. And, uh, you know, as I thought about that, and, and I, you know, I like to go out and take pictures of the Milky Way at night. That's mm. kind of one of my hobbies. Nice. And, uh, you know, you go out there and you look at space today and the, they have the, the new Webb, uh, James Webb telescope that has identified the furthest star is 28 billion light years away. Now, you know, the speed of light is seven times around the earth in a second. Jeez. Now multiply that by 28 billion years and then the Bible says he measures the universe with the span of his hand. Hmm. Give us that analogy. Hmm. And, and when I th think about that, and I realize, you know, God is so much bigger 
And if he's that big that he can measure this massive universe purely with the span of his hand, and again, it's a, it's a metaphor, but uh, why are we so worried about what's going on? <laughs> he's that big, he's in control. And so I don't need to worry about what's going on in our, in our politics, what's going on in our moral decline, because he's moving history in his, in a linear way to accomplish his purpose. And so as I look at the totality of that, I can rest in that. And that's really kind of what impressed me upon me as I kind of journeyed through that. Yeah. That yeah. Study. Well, okay. So let me do what I think you're doing in your book, which is bringing a lot of balance uh, by, by looking at things that may seem I don't know, the two sides of the same coin in my mind. And when mm-hmm. you say that, you talk about the immensity of God and he's doing his thing. He's going to accomplish his will with you 100% on board. Is there another side of that that is human involvement uh, in the same way that he didn't just set the Egyptian or the uh, Israelites free from Egypt, but he used a man to be obedient to go in and to carry out his will? Do you see a a companion to his immensity, which is our involvement in his will yeah you know that's of course there's the the balance of the challenge we get into the the sovereignty of god and and the moral freedom of man yeah um but i think it goes you know fatalism says that god just does what he does and it doesn't matter what we do but he's also a personal god who relates to us on a personal level he's a loving god who wants a relationship with us And so he works within the the context of our life on an individual basis. Uh, He gives us freedom within the realm of his sovereignty, but uh, it's really driven by his love for us, Hmm. not arbitrary. So it's it's confidence without the uh, kind of the fatalism, Mm -hmm. but just trusting and saying, okay, God is going to love us. He's going to care for us. He knows what's going on in our life. uh, And he wants to use us. And that's the wonder of it. He wants to use us as the outworking of his will. Yeah, that's totally the way I look at it. It's like God has his plan. He's carrying it out. And he invites us to be a part of it. And that's amazing. It is. I mean, it's uh, that's the wonder of it. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, to be honest, we're never going to fully grasp all this no no No. i mean we're so finite you know and we're just kind of playing on the hems of god's character uh you know and i i look forward to heaven when my first day in heaven when you can finally look at and say you know now i get it you know now we try to kind of understand but we still live with fear we you know i still get anxious i still get frustrated i still get worried about what's going on sure yeah. And the time when I stand in heaven and go, now I get it. <laughs> do you have why? Why did I worry? Why did I worry? I know. Do you have children? I got two two adult children. Adult now. children. Okay. So have you? Because yeah. I have four adult children now. Have you experienced that moment where, especially when they're teenagers? I, I mean, I got one especially that I mean is the better parent than we were you know (laughs) and it's like you know well now she has her own child and she's going 
I get it now. <laughs> it's like they they realize at some point, okay, you're smarter than I thought you were, <laughs> you know, because now they're in that position. I think there's that's just a fraction of the experience we'll have when we get there and we go, okay, all the all the pain, all the suffering, all the not having my prayers answered the way I wanted them to in the timing I wanted them to looking back and having a little better understanding now, I see what you're doing, God. I Does yeah. that relate to you at all? Oh, yeah. I think the we don't fully, you know, I did not understand the fatherhood in God until you become a father. Yeah. You know, and then you start realizing, you know, how much he cares for us because I would, I would die for my kids in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the part that, that to me is the marvel of God is he created us in his image and we disdained that image. Mm. You know, we cast it aside in our pursuit to become God ourselves. Mm. And, and here's, and here's the, the, the remarkable thing. Not only did he create us in his image, but we disdained it to try to usurp God. So what did God do? God took on our image to redeem us back to him. Mm. And, and that whole incarnation of of Christ, when we think about that he is the God of the universe, and yet he took on the form of man to redeem us back into that relationship with him. You know, how do we get our minds around that? Uh, You know, I think the problem we face, you know, how does the finite grasp the infinite? Right. Well, we grasp the infinite by making him finite. So we bring God down to our level, you know, he's just bigger than us, but he's kind of like, he's kind of like Superman. He's one of us, but he's just bigger than us. And uh, fully coming to grip with the fact that he uh, is infinite in his character and that, um, you know, I can trust him no matter what, because he loves me and he's, he's wise, he's infinite in his wisdom. So he knows all things possible, all not possible options. He knows the best way to achieve those options, and he knows the best outcome, and he determines that choice. And so I can trust in him, even though I don't fully understand. Yeah. Uh, even in the midst of my suffering yeah. and my trial. Yeah. Yeah. For for someone like me who's driven by understanding, I have to go back to that, you know, trust trust in him and don't lean on your own understanding. Just acknowledge him in all your ways because that – my own understanding hits an end point. I want to I ask you about another point that you make in the book because we talked a little, we talked a little bit about the future, and then you talk about you know what God did in the past through Christ, but you you say that God is a God who is present, and I think sometimes when we talk, it kind of can be a little academic, you know. But when you talk about God who is present in the here and the now, well, now you're talking about something that's very relatable. What are you exploring there? Well, the, um, you know, the God is, when we think about God's active involvement, uh, you know, he knows down to every detail of every moment, you know, because the Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our head. I mean, so in other words, he knows every moment, everything that's happening in our life so that there's nothing that escapes him. And uh, that's the God who loves us and invites us to approach him in his throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. So, you know, I think Vance Havner kind of said it this way. He said, you know, 
men love everything but righteousness and fear everything but God. Mm. And, uh, you know, how much more should we just fear only God and, and just recognize uh, who he is? But, but I think that also brings up kind of another problem that we have, and that is our distortion of God. Uh, Stephen Charnock, in his classic on the existence and attributes of God, makes this statement. He says, there is something of a secret atheism in all of us, not an utter disowning of the being of God, but a denial or doubting of some of his rights of his nature. Hmm. Practical atheism is not the absolute disowning of the being of God, rather it is the inconsideration or misrepresentation of his nature. And I think that's the, the the crisis that we're facing today in um, really our perspective of God is that we make him finite, we, we pick and choose which attributes we like and kind of ignore those that we don't. And we, we misrepresent his nature or just live without consideration of his nature. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, with a lot of people, especially, it's not uh, a, a conscious choice to disregard aspects of, of God's nature or attributes of his character. Uh, I think sometimes it's just, it's almost just ignorance, you know, and, and even from the pulpit, incompetence maybe at times, uh, which is why I appreciate what you're doing in taking a thorough look at the attributes of God. I'll show the people the book. This is The Lighthouse by Glenn Damon. Uh, and you can pick it up now if you want to. He really goes through a, a very thorough list of the attributes of God, which is just healthy for us to be well-rounded, balanced, uh, and it mm-hmm. provides hope uh, because, like you pointed out earlier, if you get if you just get a few of them, you can get a distorted view of God, which leads to a distorted view of life and Christianity and even yourself. So, very healthy um, exercise in really getting into it. Uh, one of them. One of the ones we don't like to talk about, Glenn, <laughs> is this attribute that is negative in humans, mm-hmm. uh, but God says that he is a jealous God, and you talk about the jealous, mm-hmm. je- you know, the jealousness and the wrath of, of God, two things we you don't hear a lot of sermons on. I, I, I think if, if I know my pastor's going to preach on the wrath of God or the or yeah. God is a jealous God, I might... You know, find something else to do that Sunday. <laughs> At least a lot of people would. Talk to us a little well, bit about that, because we need to know that. Yeah, you know, I, when I was in Russia, I thought it was interesting. I spent a couple of weeks over there training pastors and went to a number of services. So I'm not an expert, okay? So I spent, you know, two weeks there. But the one thing I noticed in the time I was there, their hymns and the songs they sang were more focused upon his justice Whereas here we focus upon his love and his grace. And I think that comes out of the context when you're under persecution and, and we're going to see more persecution in our culture. uh, But when you're under persecution, what is your hope that God will come and bring vindication and he will restore justice. Uh, And so, you know, I think that that becomes our comfort when we're facing that attack and uh, that, you know, God's going to bring justice to this world. He's going to restore and he's jealous. And, and jealousy is a, 
of us is a good thing in the sense that what is he saying? He's saying he wants an exclusive relationship. He doesn't want uh, any uh, competitors in this relationship with us. Mm -hmm. Just as we would have, that's a healthy way. And it's not a possessive controlling way that we think of jealousy normally. But it's that I want to, I want to protect this relationship. Yeah. And I want to, I don't want any divided loyalty. I want, because I love you, I want that personal relationship. And that's what we need to strive for in our commitment to him. So we're not divided in our loyalties, but he becomes the highest priority of everything in our life. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he refers to the church as his bride. Uh, anyone that's married, you know, you don't want your spouse having other lovers, not because you have an unhealthy jealousy in you, but because you know that that just damages the relationship. It tears it apart. Uh, and, and in that context, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. Like, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, just what we were just talking about in terms of that, um, that balance of, of the fear of God and the love of God, his holiness, his, his righteousness, his perfection, his wrath, uh, but also his love. And A.W. Tozer, another one, he put it this way. He says, the greatness of God rouses fear within us but his goodness encourages us not to be afraid of him. To fear and not be afraid, that is the paradox of faith. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what, what an incredible statement that there is a sense that we should fear him, but we should, but perfect love casts out all fear. Right. And, and you know, John Bevere on our program recently said that when you have a, a healthy, holy fear of God, you have no other fears. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what is it? I can't remember now what, what great leader it was, missionary leader, but he says, you know, give me a uh, hundred men who fear nothing but God and hate nothing but evil, and I can change the world. And, uh, you know, that's, that's true in yeah. our culture today. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so, Show people a couple websites. Uh, this one is theattributesofgod.net. Uh, so if you want to know more about the book, or what, t- actually tell us because you got like devotionals and stuff on here. There's, there's, this is a site not just for the book, but for people to keep coming back to. Yeah, I, I do daily devotionals there and put them on uh, online. Uh, and, and right now I've been going through just the books of the Old Testament, and every week looking at a different book and saying, okay, what is it? communicate to us about who God is and uh, how we relate to him. So, All right. And the other website I want to show people is this is rural ministry. I can't read that. Is that rural ministry.net or .com? Yeah. .net. .net. Okay. Rural ministry.net. Whoops. Let me take that down. Uh, you got to tell us a farm story, man. We, we haven't had a farm story yet. Well, <laughs> where do you want to start? <laughs> I mean, I could go on forever about farm stories, but, uh, you know, I, I think a good example, I'll tell you a farm story that relates to the sovereignty of God. All right. Perfect. Perfect. I, I go back every year and help my my brothers uh, on the farm. And so I drive a tractor for them. And, and uh, so, you know, to make a long story short, I did something stupid and broke apart on the tractor. 
it was kind of my own mistake and my brother wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. <laughs> uh, so we were having, you know, a little growl session there. <laughs> so he went back to, to get the part, uh, back to the shop. As he's coming back, he, he arrives back in the field and the part is not in the back of the pickup. He had forgot to put the tailgate up <laughs> and it fell out on the highway. Oh no! Well, it's a shaft. It's a large shaft. So as he goes back to get it, uh, he sees a car parked there alongside the road with a flat tire. And so he stops and the lady says, yeah, I hit this big shaft here. In the of the road and it my tire. So, you know, he stopped and he helped her to, to fix the tire. And then he said, oh yeah, that shaft, I was looking for that. And so uh, to make a long story short, he gave her a, a couple hundred dollars to pay for the tire. Mm. And at first she said, no, no, I don't, I don't want it. Uh, you know, and then he insisted. And finally she says, well, you know, I've been having some hard times here lately financially, and this will be a big help. Mm. And so I talked to my brother afterwards and about that. And I said, you know, you think about all the events that happened, my stupidity that, that broke that part him picking up that part, the timing of everything, what was for us a bad thing ended up a blessing for her. Hmm. And I don't know if she was a Christian. I don't know if, if she was praying for, you know, some, some assistance here, but did God orchestrate that? And I always say God is not the cause of evil, mm -hmm. but he's the orchestrator of it. He's not the cause of bad things because that's a result of our sin in a fallen world, but he orchestrates these things. And did he orchestrate all that just to bring a blessing to her and, and to show himself to her and his sovereignty? Yeah. You don't know the answer. But, yeah. To That's one of those questions where it's like, did, did he make those things happen so that you would get to her? Did he allow them to happen so that you would get to her or did a bunch of bad things, you know, on a, low level of bad but still you yeah. know bad things happen and he just turned it into something good those are i think yeah i don't and, know and <laughs> i think he's i say he's the orchestrator of it because you know my stupidity is my stupidity yeah but he can orchestrate these things and and paul says it this way paul you know puts a theological spin he says all things work together for good now he doesn't say all things are good right because bad things are still bad things. Mm -hmm. uh, but he can orchestrate that to achieve eternal good out of it. And, and that's, I think, the perspective, because in, in we get a glimpse of God, the challenges is that we look at life from a temporal perspective. God looks at life from an eternal perspective. So we look at, you know, how does this affect me in the here and now? But God in his sovereignty is looking at it and saying, how does this affect it in eternity? Mm -hmm. And does God sometimes orchestrate things in our life or allow things to happen in our life that are bad things? But he, he allows them because he recognizes that there will be an eternal good mm -hmm. accomplished out of that. Mm -hmm. that will affect somebody for eternity. Yeah. And if something, you know, something that if if something bad happens in my life, if it affects somebody for eternity in a positive way, then it's going to be yeah. worth it yeah. in the end.
Yeah, yeah, it would be one of those temporary light afflictions that pale in comparison to eternal glory, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why I think when we look at this, the, the nature of God, that we need to get that perspective to see things from his perspective, not our perspective. Yeah, yeah. And we need, as always, that that guiding light. Interesting thing about, uh, I've made this observation many times about, like God's word, it's a, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Dude, you know from growing up on a farm and being out in rural areas that when you got a lamp or even a decent flashlight, you can't see a whole lot other than the path right in front of you. Uh, and we need that. Otherwise, you're completely lost. But at the same time, it doesn't illuminate everything where you understand the entirety of all that's going on, but it gives you enough to keep you, you know, going in the right direction. Uh, and, and the same thing's true with the lighthouse, you know, for that ship. They can't see everything between it and the lighthouse, but they at least have some direction and some guidance. And uh, your study is, is uh, really good in giving us that. Uh, last word from you. What do you want people to walk away with when they go through this study of the attributes of God? Well, the, the bottom line is to me is I want people to know God. And, and hopefully that'll stir them to get back into the Word, because the Bible is God's autobiography. It's his book that he has written to tell us about himself. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I always say, you know, I plagiarize and do so without apology, because I get all my information from one book. <laughs> right. <laughs> and my goal in everything that I do is to point people back to that book. And if God uses this tool to help people point back to that book, that's my prayer. Uh, because yeah. it's really, at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's all about him and what can point people to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, no point in trying to uh, light your own fire or light when the ultimate, the only true one is there. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm choking over here. Allergies. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Glenn Damon. I appreciate you being with me here. Uh, well, thank you for having me. Carrie, Barbara, Lucinda, Loretta, Judy, all the others commenting. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. If you're watching us in the replay, we do appreciate your comments as well. If you haven't subscribed or followed or liked, do that. And you want to encourage somebody, lift them up today. Hit share and come back. We've got more for you next time here on Life Today Live. Covenant, God as it is, God mercy. The same to you, the same to every man, you and Gentile, and Hamilton, whether they believe it or not. We float on this vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.